0: Welcome to Raising Up Copts, a podcast about raising Coptic kids in Western culture, hosted
1: by me, Laura Michael, and Madonna Lawendi. Madonna, what is our topic for today? Okay, so our topic for today is a good, good one. We did so much research on this one. Today we are gonna talk about adoption, but specifically in the Coptic community, because we've heard a lot of um, information out there, some good, some not so good. And so we decided to kind of put it all together for you here today, so that we can kind of address some of those issues um, concerning adoption. And so Laura, luckily you did some research into the background of um, the Coptic slash Egyptian culture and what their views are on adoption. So could you tell us a little bit about that before we get into the personal stories? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to first talk about Egyptian law
0: regarding adoption because their understanding of adoption um, in the American sense of taking a child and making them your own, there are very strict laws against it. Um, No Egyptian inside Egypt can adopt because it is forbidden by Islamic law, forbidden by a fatwa. And so their concept of adoption that, you know, that's equivalent to ours is an absolute no. Taking a child as your own is a no they do have an understanding about fostering a child. Fostering is okay, which is different from American adoption. So in the case of fostering, the child's birth name and their own genealogy are to be maintained. And that is something that's very embedded in Islamic law. They want this child's genealogy to be preserved. You don't get to erase the birth family um, and just you know, make this child your own. And actually, if you are found to have done that, to have adopted within Egypt, have taken a child and replace their genealogy with your own, you'll be charged with human trafficking. That is how they understand it. And I can understand, you know, with the poor children in the streets, you don't want people picking them up and selling them and um, having people adopt them without some kind of legal understanding. So it is complicated. The infrastructure in Egypt is not in place for the kind of legal adoption that we have here in the United States. Now, in 1938, there was an amendment to the Egyptian constitution that was supposed to make some exceptions for Coptic Christians. The amendment's not, you know, approved by the church in the way that the church would like, so it isn't referred to often, but it does have, leave some space for permission for Christian parents to adopt Christian children based on certain guidelines, and in that case, they would keep their own names, they keep their birth name, but they can add a name at the end, add their their own name at the end. And the adopted child will not automatically inherit unless they're explicitly mentioned in the will. They have to be mentioned. Um, there's a now not a lot of people refer to this amendment. And actually, a Coptic couple in, in 2012 was trying to adopt, and they were told by the orphanage, "Don't bother. It's like a legal mess." But they didn't want to take an illegal route, and actually. There's a recording of Pope Shenouda who was being asked about adoption, and he said, It's currently illegal for everyone in Egypt to adopt. Please don't take any illegal routes. Again, we don't want to do something that's against the law. But there are activists right now actively trying in Egypt to make, uh, to present amendments to make it legal for Christians to adopt, since it is acceptable to our faith. Um, in fact, in 2015, the three major Christian branches in Egypt presented something along the lines of a new amendment to the Ministry of Justice, but it didn't go through. It didn't work out. So that's the legal perspective on adoption in Egypt, that as Christians, we should be allowed to, but there isn't a mechanism right now for it. And under Islamic law, only fostering is allowed. Now, we talked a little bit about culture. I was telling Madonna that there was a movie that came out in 1983 about a. Um, the translated name would be The Virgin and the White Hair, about a child who was adopted and this girl was raised by this family. But when she found out she was adopted, she behaved inappropriately towards the father and ended up getting like kicked out of the house. So if your parents were in Egypt in the early 1980s, that's the image that they might have in mind of this movie where of this adoption that went horribly wrong, right? That this girl
1: turned on this family and um,
0: caused but, a lot like, of
1: problems. She pursued the father like with a love interest. romantic, appropriately like you know, uh, anger, it was... Romantic interest, okay. absolutely, yes. Oh my goodness.
0: So I can imagine that if that's the story of adoption that I have in my head, I, it's not something I would be very comfortable with, right? On the other hand, we have the church's perspective on adoption, which is not against adoption. There's nothing in our Coptic Orthodox faith that is against adoption. In fact, it's encouraged. And on uh, the Southern Diocese website, his grace, Bishop Yusuf answers questions. And one of the questions was about the church's opinion on adoption. And here is what he wrote. Adoption is an extraordinary act of love and mercy. Examples of adoption from Holy Scripture include Queen Esther, who was adopted by Mordecai, uh, Moses the prophet adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, and David when he adopted Jonathan's son. And so we also, it continues to say, are adopted into God's family. We are underst- our understanding from Galatians is that we are the adopted children of God, not begotten like Christ, but adopted and made heirs to His kingdom. And so that kind of that is the church's perspective on adoption. That it is a beautiful, and extraordinary act of love and mercy. Culturally, though, we are struggling a little bit with with jiving that because we are we are very much still tied to our Egyptian culture and the law was very clear in Egypt that we were not allowed to adopt. So I'm sure that it's a little bit tricky to try to find acceptance in in the Coptic church, even here now for adoption. One of our listeners wrote in to talk about how she was, she was an American and she was adopted, but when she married into the church, her future in-laws were very um, concerned about the fact that she was adopted, uh, and her father-in-law went so far as to you know, come to her in anger and forbid her to share the idea that she was adopted with any of the family. And she said that she did end up still sharing about it. Whenever someone said she looked like her parents or anything like that, she would say, well, actually, you know, I'm adopted. And she was saying, it's really important for us to talk about the stigma, because it is contrary to Christianity, which one of its core tenets is to take care of the widow and the orphan, right? And so this is, you know, a stigma that we do want to remove through this podcast, but Madonna, you interviewed three families from what I understand who adopted Coptic families who've adopted. And I want to hear from you a little bit about what we learned from them and what their, their thoughts and perspectives were, Um, were they pretty open to talking to you?
1: Yeah, I, so, um, there was a couple of things that they wanted me to keep in mind, that they have to respect their child's privacy, which is why they didn't want to say names. It was not anything to do with uh, wanting to hide the fact that the kids were adopted, had nothing to do with like it being a big secret. As a matter of fact, the kids know they've been told um, and many people in the community know. It's more because they want to respect the child's right to tell their own story because they are not old enough yet. And also the birth parents Um, in in many of these adoption stories, the birth parents are somewhat involved, um, which is something that I'm going to talk about later on about why that is the case. Now, Madonna,
0: are all of these like rich hippie parents in L.A.? Like, is this like an
1: L.A. phenomenon or what? Mm -hmm. No, actually, I was very blessed to have some people that were perfectly fine talking to a complete stranger literally across the United States. So we had the Pacific Coast, West Coast, we had the East Coast and Central. So there was definitely um, a nice spread there. But what was really amazing, I mean, truly amazing, first of all, them telling me their stories. I could see the hand of God and they will tell you the hand of God was so clear to them in the entire process. I mean, some of them really brought me to tears. And then the, the other thing is just that they were all so um, happy to share. I mean, they were like, please make this something so much more normalized and something so much more um, accepted in our community. And one thing that they did want to uh, mention though, and this I thought was very interesting and not something I expected was that we like to talk a lot about how the Coptic community has all these big stigmas against adoption and against many things, but adoption for today's episode. And the surprising thing is that it is actually also stigmatized in the American culture, you know. And I'm going to speak about the American culture because that's where we are. Um, but they also have a stigma and feel strange about adoption. Um, but for different reasons. So like the Coptic community comes out very differently than why the American community is a little bit hesitant about it. Um, so it was interesting to hear how they kind of came about their stories. What were their
0: thoughts on adoption before they got to the point of adopting? Like what were they thinking about before they got to that point?
1: Um, so it's gonna be kind of hard to keep track of all three stories, but I'll try the best to, to explain it to you. But um, What is interesting is that many of them had kind of an inkling that adoption was something that they were that they they had positive experiences about adoption. Let me put it that way. They saw it in a positive light growing up. They did not think that it was this like negative thing, this taboo thing. Um, Like one person was mentioning that something inside of her told her. From the beginning, that she was not going to be having biological children. She knew it from the moment that um, you know they started trying for a family. God just kept nudging her. This is not the way that it's going to happen. And she even said, like, I can tell you the exact moment that I was like going for a run, and as I'm praying about this, some like something inside of me said, "This is not it. This is not it for you." Um, and so that's how that kind of opened up for them. And another thinking. Um, you know she was in high school and she felt like adopting would be a blessing and she actually knew somebody who had been adopted and um, grew up with somebody that had been adopted so for them again it was a positive thing and uh, she kind of saw it as like oh you know you're bringing someone new to the faith that may not have been part of the faith and things like that Um, so a lot of them seemed to have in common that they never saw it as a bad thing but maybe never thought it was going to be their thing until they got to that point so yeah.
0: It's amazing how God speaks to people and how he arranges things really. I mean, arranges things for this family, arranges things for the child, for the birth family. It's incredible. So when they decided to adopt, how did their families react? And maybe also how did their church family or the community um, react?
1: Yeah. So one, one of them made a really good point. Part of it is the process in which you tell people it makes a difference. So, you know, for the person that wants to adopt, they've been probably pondering and thinking about this for a long time. They've probably been through a lot of different struggles trying to conceive or maybe not at all. And this is just something that's been on their heart. And so for them, they've had plenty of time to process the whole idea. Now, if you think about our grandparents or our parents, they always imagined, oh, you're going to go through, you're going you're to get married and then you're going to conceive and you're going to be pregnant. And you're going to go through this joyous time of like having your child and they always pictured it this one way so when you come and you like it to them feels out of left field and you're like actually I'm gonna adopt it's kind of shocking to them and they're not as accepting of it one was telling me um, her mom was more concerned of not not necessarily against adoption but more concerned about what is she going to be missing out on you know, like I wanted you to experience the pregnancy. I wanted you to experience that, that like the beauty of having it inside of you, and and all those kinds of things. So, um, I mean, I get that, right? Like we all kind of want our kids to experience things the way that we did, so that they know. And um, for this other family, they were one thing that they were saying was, um, mom didn't have an immediate positive response, but she credited the fact that we all kind of are scared of things we're not used to, um, and. As parents, we like to think of the worst case scenario, like you know, um, I mean, they came up with lots of scenarios. Honestly, what if like the kid, the child comes and there's like a, a like there's an illness, or what if the child comes and like the birth parents do this, this, and that, and um, there's a lot of uncertainty in the whole process. Um, and I want to get more into the whole birth parent thing later, but in general, at the very beginning, it was like questionable. Um, and it got to be like, a well, have you tried this? People will try to go in and tell you all the things that you've probably already tried. They're like, well, have you tried IVF? Well, have you tried to do this and that? And that can get really frustrating too. So generally, it was not accepted immediately. It was not something that was um, like welcomed with open arms. It wasn't necessarily pushed back. But then later on through the adoption process, like one woman was sharing that, her mom was like, oh, look what I brought for the baby, the baby that wasn't there yet. <laughs> so your your heart grows. I, I don't know how else to say it. The heart definitely grows there. That is so
0: funny. It actually reminds me of a French movie that I saw on Netflix a few months back about a Franco-African couple that ends up adopting a white baby and how their parents react. I'll have to figure out the name of the movie for you guys, but it was hilarious. It was the sweetest thing. And it was exactly about this, these parents who, you know, the grandparents had something in mind, they had a, you know, a path in mind for the kid and for their children. And then like, they're confronted with this child who's unlike what they had expected. And that it takes time to like adapt. But then once you do, like once you're on board, <laughs>
1: And I thought what was so amazing, too, is that they all shared that after the Coptic community, like, so we're talking about the church here. So that was the, the parent, the family side of it. But when the Coptic community, after they adopted, oh, my goodness. I mean, like the, the amount of support that they got and when they were sharing, I mean, like everybody came out of the woodworks, woodworks to, to be there for the baptism, for example, in one of them. Um, and just, And granted, they admitted some of it was probably curiosity but like there was so much love to be had. I mean, just fawning over this baby and and so much happiness for the couple. Um, And there was so much change just from the the beginning when they first introduced the idea to when that child entered their lives. I mean, parents were smitten, the community was smitten, like there was so much love. And one thing that they wanted to put out there is don't blame people for not being on board immediately. There's so many things that we're going to do in our life that people are going to question. They're going to tell you like, why are you doing it this way? Cause it's not their way. And eventually when they see the success or when they see the, the beauty in it, they come around, they come around to it. I think. Yeah. I love that. I think that's incredible. I think there, the stigma about the stigma,
0: I always say this to you, Madonna, but the stigma about the stigma is bigger than the stigma itself. You know, right. the, the Coptic community is so loving and so kind i so eager to pour out their generosity. I mean, I think that's one of the characteristics of our culture that you, you really like the stigma goes away fast and people are so um, can be so sweet, actually. Um, when yeah, you-
1: I feel like they do a lot of negativity at the front end. <laughs> and then when it comes down to it, they're like, please, yes, more, more, you know, in the most loving way possible. So, yeah, we got to keep that in mind. <laughs> I remember a
0: few years back, there was a call, a child needed to be adopted in in a different state and a call was sent out throughout the Southern Diocese. And I can't imagine, I mean, hundreds of families stepped forward to say, I will take this child if you need me to. And I, I really felt like I had been lying to myself. I had been telling myself, oh, cops, they don't like adoption. But when they were given an opportunity, they really stepped up, which I thought was incredible. So Madonna, what was the, for these families, Tell us more about their process of adoption and what the hardest thing or most surprising thing was in the process.
1: Yeah, so across the board, the hardest thing in the process of adoption is the uncertainty of things. I mean, the whole thing is, it, first of all, it's a long process. You, you apply, you have to get letters of recommendation, they have to do house visits and it's incredibly intrusive. I mean, they, they gather all your financials, they gather so much information about you. They interview people, I mean, there's a lot. And then there's a whole waiting game. Once you get even approved for placement, there is an entire waiting game. So you have to like match with, uh, if you're, so first of all, there's many types of adoption. You can do international adoption. You can do embryo adoption, which is, I mean, it's literally, you're adopting an embryo. Um, you can do like birth adoption. That's not the word for it. I mean, you, you have a pregnant mother who is looking to place her child. And so they basically have like books with profiles of people. They pick, they interview, and then they match you. So if you say like, I am interested in your child and they say back, like, I think you're a good fit for my, my child. Um, but here's the thing. I mean, the laws and uh, like just the whole process these parents that are, are choosing adoption for their children are usually in a really tough situation. Um, either they financially can't take care of their child or there is a, a situation where they just are not capable of taking care of their child, um, but they still reserve the right to their child, obviously. Saying that they are ready to place their child for adoption does not guarantee that they will actually do it. So they, you can be planning to have this child for however many months until the child is born and then still after the child is born the mother has a couple of days to decide whether or not she wants to go through with it and then after that I think there's like another year where they can still come back and say like I no longer want to place my child for adoption that is a bit of a roller coaster you want to have faith that it's meant to be if it's meant to be it's meant to be people's adoptions do fall through Um, luckily and I and I see this, it seems like the three couples that that I interviewed had really great blessing and luck with it. They did not have the adoptions fall through. They did not have to wait that long in order to receive um, news that they were matched. I mean, there was a lot of, of situations there. And um, the surprising thing, which I thought was so sweet is you just, it's the same surprising thing that we say even as parents is, you never knew you could love someone as much as you do. Um, You fall in love with a child you've never met before, before you even get to that point. Now I will add a a caveat here. And one thing that they were saying is, you have to try really hard not to get attached because of this uncertainty. Have to try really hard not to get too attached before the child is legally and officially in your home. Um, And you prepare that by, you know try not to ask for gender, try not to ask for names. Um, and even if the birth parents are like, oh, I'm 100% on board, the social workers will tell you, you still need to be worried. <laughs> you still need to be careful and not totally um, resign to the fact that this will be your child. And that is really tough. I think that that would probably be tough for anybody I mean can you imagine preparing for a child and then not having them it's I, it's akin to losing a child that you had in your in your belly yes
0: yeah this the idea of the child becoming as big as the child itself in your heart um yeah, yeah and I think one of the things we do want to note is that the three families that we interviewed they were all uh they all adopted at birth right Madonna. Yes. So we didn't have stories of people. We don't have um, anecdotes to share people who adopted at an older age, um,
1: just to keep that in mind. A whole other set of things that you need to worry about. And again, like I was telling you, it's a whole process. They have to go through classes. They have to go through workshops and seminars and all these things in order to adopt, which in my opinion, and Laura and I, we talked about this Honestly, every parent should be going through so many um, jumping hoops in order to be prepared for what they're about to go through. I mean, they would give you training on psychology and um, making sure you're not traumatizing your children, especially with uh, adoption. There is some possible trauma there. So there is a lot to know. That's for sure. So what are some basic things that someone interested in adoption
0: should know? Like what advice would we give to a Coptic family about adopting?
1: So the first thing is we are not going to pretend that birth parents don't exist, okay? They are, it is not supposed to be something that is supposed to be kept secret from the child. We hear, I don't know if like you grew up with these stories, but you like somebody's adopted and somebody accidentally told them that they were adopted and then their whole world just kind of falls apart. And they're like, what? You're not my parents and all this other, you're not the parents, my birth parents. And it can be very traumatizing. So for now, what they say is we don't do that anymore. You need to be upfront with your children and you let them know. And one of the things that they say is "Um, you grew in my heart, not in my belly. And so, and I think that's so kind and so sweet. And I and I think that, like, I would love to hear that as a child. And um, also to consider, if you already have children, that you keep your child's interests as your first priority, um, and you have to be really careful about saying like that you chose these children and that like uh, they're perfect for you and things like that, because they also end up having to carry all of that burden of like, okay, I have to be perfect because like they picked me. And so I have this huge pressure to be this amazing thing. Um, So there's, there's a lot of like background and and psychology involved with what you need to know when it comes to um, adopting. Um, There is some other things here. Hold on. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) No, you're fine. I was thinking about that, that, you know, we do really feel like we all wish that kids came with a manual and right. we do need some, some training in how to be a parent. I think that, you know, we have premarital classes now um, we probably need pre-parenting classes that are church-based as well.
1: I agree. And that was, and so this was another thing, um, you know, we say like women are nature are nurturing by nature. And so, I mean, like you can hand a woman most of the time, anything and they'll just fall in love with it. Right. <laughs> But for men, and this is something that they learn, it can be naturally harder. Um, like they'll say, I didn't know my heart could do that or that I could do that. And and then the kid comes and you're like, how did I exist in a world that didn't have this kid in it? And how did I ever live before this child was in my life? And so um, even if you yourself are worried about how am I going to love this child? Well, it's the same thing as some people we talked about before on a previous episode that sometimes when you're going to have a second kid, you're like, how could I love another kid as much as this one your heart grows there's no other explanation for it you make room and then another thing that they talked about something that you should know if you're interested in adoption i alluded to it earlier but don't downplay the role of birth mom and birth dad okay first of all we don't say who is your real mom and real dad okay because adopt adoptive parents are real they're they're there you can see them they're not fake and imaginary right um they're They're real, and so what we could say is birth parents and then the adoptive parents and then also let's go ahead and get rid of that stigma that mom and dad that are are placing their child for adoption are selfish, that they're drug addicted that they're like you know teenagers or they're they they've thrown their lives away that's not always the case. it may be the case, but it is not always the case. There is nothing more selfless than placing your kid for adoption if you couldn't give them what is best. Remember, we live in America. Abortion is an option. That is the easier route um, in many ways. That is, I'm not saying that if you made that choice that it was an easy choice to make, but in the sense that going through the whole pregnancy and the birth and then seeing that child and then saying like, I love you so much, I still need to give you to somebody else. That's a really loving thing. And um, in one of the stories, both parents knew they were pregnant at seven weeks. They could have easily terminated, but they didn't choose that, even knowing how painful it is. And they love those babies more than themselves. So go ahead and put away the, all those thoughts you have about where the birth parents are from or what they did or how they got to that point. Because many times it is somebody who does love their child, but just cannot, for whatever circumstance, be with the child.
0: Yeah. And then I wondered if you had something that they, you know, did they give you something that they wanted everyone to know about the adoption? Like something that a message they want to share with the community or something they wish they knew before they started the process?
1: Uh, Yeah, there was, there was a lot. Um, Just making sure you're not saying like, oh, you're so lucky to have, uh, you know, like saying to the child, you're so lucky that your parents or you know, took you or something like that. For many reasons, that's not okay because it's making again the idea of putting pressure on the child that they are, you know, like mom your your adoptive parents are some superheroes and they are, you know, oh, we saved you from some terrible crime or terrible thing that was gonna happen to you. That is a lot of pressure and a lot of psychological trauma and re-traumatizing to the child um, that was placed into adoption. Um, and basically, making them feel like they didn't—they des- don't deserve to be there because, hey, you know, I'm lucky that anybody chose me at all. Kind of deal, which is is not a nice thing for anybody really to to say. Um, and then also something that they wanted to share is just let go of the fear. There is a lot of time that we spend being concerned and and. Um, just, you know, thinking about all the unknowns and uncertainty, and that's true across the board, right? Let going, letting go of the fear and letting God take control. And you will see how miraculously God works to put things together, especially if that's what he wants for you. Um, Every single day, and this is one woman shared this, and I thought it was beautiful. Every single day of the adoption journey, God was so clear And the social worker in this situation happened to be a very strong Christian herself. So she would point out things that um, the adoptive parents were not seeing just to make sure they understood how clearly God was working in all of this. So don't submit to the fear. There is a lot of question marks. Birth moms can change their mind. Babies can be sick. Things can get complicated. But God will bring a baby to your doorstep if that's what is supposed to happen, Every baby, whether they are naturally conceived or they are adopted, are handpicked by God. There is no difference in that way. So rest easy in, in him. If you've decided to go this route, rest easy. Let God take control. You will see some miracles. You will see some amazing things happen that you and things that you didn't know could be possible, will be possible. The same as any, any other journey of parenthood. Whether there is a fertility struggle, whether it is an adoptive journey, or whether it is a, I don't want to say a natural journey, I want to say um, an easier journey, a more predictable journey. It is all handpicked by God and chosen for you. And that was across the board again. That the, in terms of adoption, the adoptive parents always all said, I benefited more than anybody. I benefited more than even my own child. I benefited spiritually. I benefited through God's love. I benefited in my marriage. You know, it's something tough that you're going through together with your spouse and you are stronger for it as long as you you are looking to God through it. And you realize that your heart is capable of so much more than you give your heart credit for. Which was so beautiful.
0: I think that's incredible. And I think that's the goal of our um, of our podcast today is sort of to demystify the adoption process for the Coptic community and to break the stigma behind loving a child who is adopted, who is not uh, your biological child. We, we want to show how it's such an amazing opportunity to show Christ's love, literally um, serving in the way that Christ served for us, helping
1: us bring us to, to the father to be adopted. And say that you are not somebody who is choosing the adoptive journey or you do not, still, you've heard all the facts and you just feel like you're not right for that. First of all, that's okay because adoption really isn't for everybody, just like anything isn't for everybody, right? Um, You know, some people might go through the process and ask questions that indicate that they are not ready for this journey and that's okay. But as somebody who has chosen not to go that route, Here's something practical that you can do in your family to at least make it easier for other families who have gone that route. And that is talk to your children about adoption. Tell them that families are created in this way, that it is possible to, to interact with a child who the um, mother and the father were not put together with, this, with these children through pregnancy or through whatever the you know, other ways are. You don't want your kid to be the one going around saying, oh, you're adopted, you know, or saying something in a really negative light. You want them to know that being adopted is totally great and wonderful and a blessing. And you don't want to look at somebody who is adopted and let that be the only thing that comes to mind. Normalize it from now so that your child interacts with other children just like they would anybody else. And it is not this big topic of discussion or like a thing that's always in the back of your mind
0: and I think one of the things Madonna that we talked about is the idea of how much narrative and the stories and life experiences we've had affects what we believe and so if we have never heard a positive adoption story how can we have a positive view on adoption and I think that that's something that hopefully today in sharing these stories of these children who are happily adopted into communities that are caring for them into families that love them dearly, that we can start to show you that it it is normal. Maybe we don't talk about, you know, the news loves to talk about the outlier, the disaster, the child sent back to the orphanage or, or whatever it is. You know, those are the sensational stories that make for news. But every day there are families that are taking care of children that they did not give birth to, and they are loving them, with all of Christ's love and guiding them in the way of the faith. So I think it's so important for us to remember that there are stories outside the ones that we've heard, stories outside the ones on the news. There are normal people doing this hard work of creating incredible families and opportunities.
1: And there's going to be a day that we are going to be the older generation and there's going to be things that you know we're, we're not used to that our kids are going to come up and say are normal now and just keeping that mindset open, that things become normal. And we can agree that there are some things that we don't want to become normal, but we can also be very um, introspective and think, do I have a problem with this because I'm not used to it? Or do I have a problem with this because it's foundationally wrong? And when it comes to adoption, we know the facts are, it is not foundationally wrong. Our church is in agreement with it. And It is a good thing, and we are, as Laura said at the beginning, adopted into Christ's family. We have the honor of being co-heirs with Christ. We would not get that opportunity if, if he did not have mercy on us and call us to be his children. So the takeaway for today is adoption may not be right for everybody, but it is right, and it is okay to do, and we need to normalize it. And hopefully by the time that our children grow up, they will grow up in a generation where this is a normalized, good, and wonderful blessing. We want to thank our families so much who were reached out and were willing to be interviewed and share their
0: stories. This episode would not make any sense without their input and without their experiences. We're so grateful to them. And we also want to thank our listeners for... um, Bearing with us through this probably slightly longer episode, I hope that you learned a lot and that you enjoyed listening to these experiences. And we look forward to sharing next week's episode with you as well. Remember that you can always find us at RaisingUpCopts.com, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on the Anaphora Radio app, and soon to be on the Upper Room Media app, God willing. And you can always find, you can always reach us at RaisingUpCopts, at gmail.com. Again, that's raising up cops at gmail.com until next week.
1: Raising Up Copts is a podcast hosted by Laura Michael and Madonna Lewindi. None of the views expressed during this recording are the official stance of the Coptic Church or its hierarchy. These are purely our personal opinions, collected experiences, and organic discussions on selected topics. If you would like to reach out with any questions or comments, please email raisingupcopts@gmail.com at gmail.com or post on the Coptic Dad and Mom Parenting Community on Facebook.